As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, This Is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. Introducing your hosts, the multi-time world champion, Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. And the golden voice of drag racing, Big Jed, Jared Pennington. You do the Kevin Brandon, lay the smack across the land. Then you do the L ride and you come out like the world champ. Hey, you've been waiting all in long, hearing them go on and on. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's cool hand Luke Bogacki. Thank you for finding us wherever you find your podcast and allowing us to be a small part of your day. The Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast will be a weekly review of what's happening or what has happened in sportsman racing. Luke and I will be talking about all of the hottest topics, drivers, and events in racing today. Yes, Luke, we will. What's happening, brother? Oh, I'm doing well. How about you? Doing wonderful. If I was any better, I couldn't stand it. It's a little cold up here in Illinois, but other than that, life is, life is good. Yeah, I hear it's up like single digits up there. I've heard recently. Yeah, well, I'm not built for this. This is, uh, <laughs> this, I, I guess, and I am built for this. I got enough factory insulation, but uh, no, this this is a little rough and and out of uh, out of the ordinary even for us. I know to you we're in the Great White North, but uh, we're a oh, long way from Chicago. It ain't supposed to get this cold here. So. <laughs> I hear you. Well, on a personal note, what's been going on? What have you been doing that cold weather? Uh, staying inside as much as possible, but, um, I don't know, since the last time we did a podcast, uh, knocked out, I think all of my Christmas shopping, unless I get some crazy ideas, um, got everything wrapped for Jess, which my job's easy, she buys for like 40 people, I buy for her, um, <laughs> so it, it ain't bad at all, and uh, we had a couple of, uh, SIU home games, we're, we're season ticket holders for the basketball team here, so we get, we get into that, our team is, uh, not particularly, uh, overwhelming this year but they're a lot of fun to watch so we enjoy that what are the salukis uh they they kind of fast pace slow pace what are they looking like this year we're playing faster than we ever have because we have to they're they're pretty small um, yeah 
but I don't know. We've got a couple of uh, of kids that I I got a lot of faith in. I think we could be good in a couple of years, but we're a couple of years away, and I have been saying that for uh, well since I moved to Illinois. So. <laughs> well, maybe they'll finally get there. Maybe so. <laughs> How about you? What's new in uh, in uh, Fultondale? Oh, not a whole lot. Uh, you know, JJ's playing basketball, so uh, I'm a season ticket holder of that as well. And uh, <laughs> going watching 10, 11 year olds play basketball can can be a challenge at times. But you know, when your kids out there, it makes it a little bit easier to watch. And uh, they are uh, they're one and one right now. They've got first game they the team squeaked by is twenty to two and um, <laughs> tight one. Yeah, it was real tight till we tipped off, and uh, the the second game we pulled out a victory nine to four. So watched a couple of shootouts there. It's been a lot of fun. Nice, fast paced. Uh, yeah, Christmas stuff. Obviously, get-togethers with some family and friends, and still got some more of that to go. And uh, actually, starting to pedal a little with race cars. Try to get those ready for uh, some early spring racing. So, Very good. you guys not just a whole a, lot. Had a birthday in the family too, didn't you? JJ just turned 11 yesterday. Sure did. Sure did. I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, he's uh, growing up on us for sure. It goes quick. Yes, it does. Very good. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and go into today's news and notes a segment that we do weekly here on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. And today's news and notes segment is brought to you by This Is Bracket Racing. This is Bracket Racing is the nation's first, and I'm biased, but best online driving school for sportsman drag racing with a myriad of written and video trainings available at fair one-time prices. This is Bracket Racing has something for you. All right, this week, Jed, it's a it's kind of a slow news week with the holidays approaching. Thankfully for us, the uh, DragRacerResults.com bracket talk bracket talk message board always seems to to provide some fodder and give us something to talk about and think about. Um, on it this week, I noticed, and I know um, we've both had our attention on it to some extent. There's a kind of an interesting suggestion. Uh, I'll kind of paraphrase it here, but events, specifically big book events, um, would by this suggestion have something similar to a, a shot clock, meaning that once both cars in the water start their burnouts, the clock starts uh, to a set amount of time. I think the uh, original poster suggested 30 seconds, but whatever that may be, both cars have that amount of time to pre-stage from the time that they start their burnouts to the pre-stage. And then in an interesting twist or addition to it, the racer also proposed that once both cars are pre-staged, that clock starts over and that they've got 10 seconds for both cars to stage which is quite different than the the auto start setting that's in place right now now once one car is staged like you could sit there and have a staging battle all day long basically at the starter's discretion the auto start timer in today's world doesn't start until one car is actually staged and then depending on the auto start setting the driver that isn't staged yet has like 7 to 15 seconds to get in with this proposal, um, once both cars are pre-staged, they both have just 10 seconds to actually get in and get staged. So thoughts on both ways, the, the pre-staged shot clock and the staged shot clock? Uh, well, Luke, I'm definitely not the person to, to ask about this and uh, probably shouldn't give my opinion because my opinion won't be the most popular. But, you know, I'm not a, a race you to the line kind of racer, never have been, never will be, but, but I also don't waste any time. Um, you know, I believe and have for a long time that, that racing needs a way to speed up the entire burnout to stage process. Um, the time that some of these routines takes quite unnecessary to me. Uh, you know, obviously a large amount of dragsters at the big events has slowed the pace 
to a point that this discussion is even happening and getting some attention. And when you give, I think when you give drivers the ability to decide how far they're going to burn out down the track, it's certain to create some time issues because all of them's different. Um, so don't get me wrong. I'm not the dragster hater and against dragsters, nor do I think that they're the sole reason that some events tend to run too long. Tweet him. I'm just saying. Jed hates dragsters. I heard <laughs> Get him. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm just saying that, that I believe we could all benefit from a way to, to speed up their process with some uniformity. And, uh, you know, I, I say maybe it's not the time they're spending um, getting to pre-stage, getting to stage. Maybe that's not the issue. Maybe... You know, maybe uh, we need another line on the track that says you can't burn out past here, or if you do, you're disqualified. And I know that sounds silly, you know, so don't y'all don't get on me too bad. But you know, it, it would also accomplish the goal. I mean, with the chassis and tire technology and quality that we have today, these 200 foot burnouts seem like a waste of time to me. Uh, you know, I know we have, I know we have different lengths from water box to starting line based on the track you're at, and that would be a challenge but a reasonable distance beyond the starting line i think can be established at each track and again um, i know that's a silly solution to the issue uh, being discussed here today but in my opinion something needs to be done is it shot clock i'm not sure but regardless of how we get there finding a way to pick up the pace seems necessary and you know then you after you got pre-staged um, you know, you got staging battles and, uh, Luke, I've been racing since 1984 and that's a long, long time. And, uh, I've never been in a staging battle ever. Um, we all know it takes two racers willing to do that and, right. to create the battle. And I've never allowed my opponent to battle with me. So I can't speak to the reasons why they happen. Whatever's causing it needs to go away um again i know that's not what people want to hear you'd have a hard time getting me to understand them uh, i'm not the announcer either that likes to make the battling racers heroes hey everybody come watch uh, i'm the guy that knows it's holding things up and i want it over so we can get to the next pair you know the events i work are usually pressed for time as it is and they don't need anything holding them up as part-time promoter i'm well aware of the challenges these events face and the last thing I think they need is unnecessary delays. I watch a lot of staging battles, unfortunately. And I can assure you, um, honestly, this is from the heart. Uh, both racers, not just one of them, rarely accomplish their target reaction time. I think both of them's gotten out of their game at that point. So once the staging battle's over, the numbers usually don't look great. Um, you know, I, won I know one of them wins each time. So that person's probably feeling like they accomplished something. <laughs> most of the time, they simply got away with it and, and didn't dominate their opponent. So, um, you know, since we're fixing issues today, we need staging battles gone, too. And, uh, you know, I'm sure you got some thoughts on it as well. Mine yeah. are not popular. Hopefully yours are. <laughs> I don't know uh, if your uh, opinions are, are necessarily popular, but particularly on the staging issue. Uh, they ring true with me like I, I just uh, I don't get it either as far as uh, um, staging battles like I, I think I think they're just completely ridiculous I mean my stance has always been and, and always will be that the race can't start until all four of them little lights on the top are on 
and the order in which they come on has absolutely zero bearing on the outcome of the race. So I'm with you. Um, stage wow, first, stage last, it, it don't bother me. And I don't know that I can say I've never been in a staging battle, but like I've never been in a staging battle since I graduated high school. I mean, that's that's about the um, maturity level that I associate with that stuff, right or wrong. Um, <laughs> I just don't get it. Um, but for me breaking this up now separating the the time to stage from the kind of burnout to pre-stage shot clock issue um is I, I mean obviously your take on it is that we could significantly speed up the race and maybe we could um but i've never really thought of that as an issue um like i'll just take me personally like i feel like i'm slow like my routine is pretty um I don't know sure the word I'm looking for. I, I take a long time, um, or, or at least I think I do, but it's so regional because, like, when I go race in Division 5, I feel like I'm holding everybody up. Like, my routine is longer than everybody I'm, uh, that's in the <laughs> other lane. But when I take that same routine and go race in Division 4, like, I'm not doing anything different, and I'm almost always the first to pre-stage and the first to stage. So it's just it's kind of interesting I, you know it's all kind of comes back to that follow the follow the leader mentality i guess but some regions are take a lot longer than others i, I have noticed that um and like from a racer standpoint yeah there are a few people that that you race that it's like racing against the human rain delay you know what i mean like it just takes them forever <laughs> um but typically like I, it's really rare that you see anybody that just takes a long time like just for you like people that take a long time, like they take a long time every time. Like that's just what they do. And a- um, <clears throat> like this shot clock idea, I think is good in some respects because like even me, and I, I don't feel like I'm a human rain delay, even though I said I'm, I'm pretty slow. Um, <laughs> if you forced me to be quicker, I'm sure I could. And I would adapt quickly. And I think anybody that was, um, that is kind of uh, meticulous about the process would adapt quickly too. But and so on that end, I'm like, man, this is a really good idea. And then I actually sit down and think about it. And I kind of get back to my thought of, like, is this really a- a- an issue? Because I just kind of broke it down mathematically. Like, if you have a, a pretty big event, which should, I'd say 300 cars or 300 entries, over mm-hmm. the course of that day, with one time trial, one round of buybacks, and a race, you have like 600 pairs of cars go down the track. Okay. So if you save five seconds with every pair that went down the track, which, again, I don't think is realistic at all. Like, I think there's a lot of people's routines and pairs of routines that you can't cut five seconds off of. But let's just assume that you could. Over the course of the whole day, you'd save 50 minutes over, like, a 12- or 13-hour event. And I'm granted, like, if you told me at the World Series of Bracket Racing that I could have gone to bed 50 minutes earlier, I'd have been all in. But... (laughs) It's just, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't seem like it's that monumental. And again, I don't think five seconds a pair is, is truly realistic. So, I don't know. Like, it just doesn't, I, I, if we could shave time and make the sport better, I'm I'm all for it. But I don't know that that would necessarily have the impact that, that people think it would. Um, so, anyway, I, I, I don't mean to be, like, negative. I'm not denouncing the discussion. It just, it made me think. Um, but once I thought about it, like, I don't know, it just kind of seems like a waste of energy. But as far as the staging deal, I know people get all caught up in staging battles and it's exciting and this and that, like I'm with you. It just, it seems like a waste of time. 
Yeah, no doubt about it. Leave, leave it to you to bring logic into it. All this time we were going to save, you just killed it by saying and we would really save a whole lot of time. Oh, so. man, if we put a 25-second shot clock on them, we'd be done at <laughs> 3 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> Come on, guys. And then everybody be wanting to race some more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll have 82 gamblers races. We're going to keep everybody there until 2 in the morning no matter what. But nonetheless, it's an interesting topic, and, you know, it does bring to light that maybe there is um, – some some needed change of some kind i'm not sure it's shot clock and it's probably not a line on the racetrack but something is needed well um, it's cool probably. just to think in that direction of a way to overall better the sport because i don't think that's a discussion that's had near often enough yeah i agree so continuing on with uh, social media and some things happening on there um we had a ton of, of facebook feedback and that's even hard to say in itself but uh, you know, you, you put up the poll about the, the, what you prefer for length of show, and um, man, incredible feedback on the topic. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, check out the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page. That's where you can talk about uh, the all-state race teams. You can talk about the, the length poll where you decide or you tell us how far you would like us to go into each show or roundabout average on that. and. You find that, again, at the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page. You can tell us your thoughts there on these discussions and any other topics that we talk about. Be sure to look that page up and like it while you're there. and Send us some feedback. Yeah, I was really interested by that poll, Jed, because I just assumed that people wanted a shorter podcast. And at least the results that we've gotten to this point don't really reflect that like we have an overwhelming majority that say yeah we just make it as long as you want well i'll listen for over an hour um i don't know that i'm up for doing over an hour every week um but (laughs) it's nice to know that the audience is there that you listeners have spoken up because what it does is it keeps us from feeling inhibited like if there is a topic that we can delve into that's going to take us over an hour to discuss um, we don't feel like we have to condense it. But at the same time, um, on the slower weeks or when there's a topic that we can knock out in 40 minutes, like I'm not going to feel the need to prolong the podcast either. So we're going to keep that poll up. Um, those of you that, that hadn't seen it or, or hadn't let us know your thoughts, go ahead and go on there and, and uh, let us know what really works for you in terms of listening habits. But at least for the time being, um, it's kind of peace of mind knowing that um, we can just discuss each topic as freely as we'd like without really thinking about a time constraint absolutely and um you know one of the one of the hottest topics that i've been involved with it it's been hot uh, for a week or two now and it was definitely hot today still is uh the all-state teams uh this this was a heck of an idea on your part got to give you a ton of credit for that and it is getting a lot of attention for good reason when we recorded this last week, I was pretty nervous about uh, about kind of ticking everybody off. I agree. <laughs> this is this has been a lot of fun, and in good fun. Like I have never been trolled so much in my life as I have in the last week, and it's not just limited to Twitter or our Facebook page. Like I'm getting text messages. Okay, you guys know who you are. Um, but, no, I, I've had a lot of laughs over it. It's been a lot of fun. Um, I didn't completely understand. Or, or I shouldn't say understand. I didn't completely realize what we had done in last week's episode. Like we went through those teams and 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 knocked everything out so quick. Um, we created like four 
border wars, so to speak. All four of our quarterfinal matchups are states that border one another. Our Pennsylvania versus New Jersey, Texas versus Louisiana, Ohio versus Kentucky, Tennessee versus Alabama. I wish we could take credit for that, you know, like step back and say, yeah, that's the way we drew it up. We'd get some controversy going, but it's really not the way that it, it shook down. Um, it just kind of fell that way. But um, I guess, um, like I guess say, if, if you're on Twitter, we would love to hear from you. Jed and I are both on Twitter. I'm at Luke Bogacki. He's at JP11X. Troll us there. It's it's probably more fun to troll on Twitter than it is on Facebook. But uh, certainly, um, <clears throat> get on our on our Sportsman Drag Racing uh, podcast Facebook page as well. And uh, just a quick note, like if this is the first time that you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking, "All state team, what are these guys talking about?" Like at this point. I'm not even going to try to explain it. Go back and listen to the last episode because it'll take us <laughs> 10 minutes and nobody that the, the thousands of people that, that listened last week don't want to hear it. So we're going to dive right into the All-State matchups. If this is all foreign to you, just go back and check out episode four. And definitely included in the fun that, that we're having with it, Luke. I mean, we've got some people that we know pretty well that's actually um, – They've got their own little battle going on the on the Facebook page, you know, a little smack talk happening there. Yeah, a lot of that between Texas and Louisiana, um, namely uh, Cody Harger and, and Ryan Gleghorn. And those guys, like, I, I, it's all in good fun. But, man, they yes. got winded. Like, I think I'm long-winded, and we certainly are on the podcast. Like, at some point, I just had to put it down. I'm like, okay, that's enough. I'm not going to read this anymore. And they just kept that novel going for three days i think <laughs> they did it was a good time fun to watch and it was all in good fun a couple of really good guys there but a couple of guys also passionate about supporting uh, their hometown racers or home state racers yeah and it wasn't just texas and louisiana like i've seen a fair amount of smack talk between new jersey and pennsylvania a little bit with the ohio kentucky crowd uh, i don't know what you're getting down south that uh, that tennessee alabama rivalry is pretty uh, pretty good one too yeah, it's a stout rivalry, a lot of tough racers, tough names on there, but uh, we, you know, down south, we're very respectful, so uh, we, we hadn't had a whole lot of smack talk. We're, we're just respectful, quiet people down here. I wish I had access to your phone. Um, <laughs> the uh, and, and really, the outrage and the, the input that we've gotten, it wasn't just limited to these upcoming matchups. Um, we got some feedback, as we expected, on some of the teams that we'd left out altogether or that were defeated last week. I think the most vocal um, have been, at least to me, Florida, Virginia, and, and North Carolina. And that's all fair, because like, those are all really good teams that I think had yes. really bad matchups. Um, the, and the North Carolina one in particular, it got me to thinking, because you even alluded to it um, in last week's episode when we were debating North Carolina versus Pennsylvania. You said something along the lines of you feel like that North Carolina crowd to gain that kind of elite status that they've gone through a little bit tougher competition maybe from top to bottom and I think what I'm not necessarily comparing them to Pennsylvania here but in general like I agree with you I think that the average racer so to speak in North Carolina is a better racer than the average racer in most states um, and there's a there's a lot that goes into that. Like there's more racetracks, you know, North Carolina, South yeah. Carolina, that area in general. Um, there's weather that's conducive to year-round racing. There's more events, bigger races, and I think that that just in general breeds a lot of depth. So I would I kind of agree that the like the average racer in the Carolinas is probably better than the average racer in in most areas, and that 
in a in a kind of an odd way, I guess, for the purpose of this discussion, maybe why the the standouts, so to speak, in those states don't stand out as much to the rest of the country. Because number one, they don't have to travel as much. Um, So there's less national recognition for those guys because there's so much racing right in their region. And number two, like the general level of competition is tougher. So it's harder to stand out. Like, I don't think that we're necessarily measuring the toughest states to go into and win a race. Like we're measuring the six best racers in each state against one another. I don't know that that necessarily breaks down as to saying, you know, whichever state that we end up picking today as our all-state champion, I don't know that that's necessarily the toughest place to go in and win a race. I think it might be the toughest place to go in and beat those six guys. Yeah, I would agree completely. Before we move on to the next segment, I want to remind you that it's brought to you by our great friends at Racing RVs. Have you been dreaming about towing to the track in a beautiful truck, toter home, or RV, but fear that it's out of your price range? While Racing RVs does have incredible half-million-dollar new units, that's not their only market. In fact, that's nowhere near their typical sale. Take a look on RacingRVs.com, and you'll see they offer quality pre-owned coaches in a variety of sizes, makes, models, and most importantly, price range. Racing RVs works with a variety of reputable banks and finance customers, relationships that Joe Fisher and his staff have developed over decades. Interest rates start as low as 4.24%. Loan terms can extend from 5 to 20 years. Down payments often vary from as little as 0 to 20%. Bottom line, they'll go to bat to get you the best deal. Visit RacingRVs.com and fill out an easy credit application and get pre-approved today. Again, that's RacingRVs.com. All right, with that word from our sponsors out of the way, I uh, feel like we can really dive into um, this week's discussion and breaking down from quarterfinals on of our uh, of our all-state matchups you know we talked about this a little bit pre-show i feel like we were really kind of walking on eggshells last week and and trying <laughs> not to to make anybody mad and i've had a week to process that now to heck with that okay <laughs> if if we have ranked you as one of the best states and then in effect um one of the best eight drivers from in your given form of competition to some extent and you're going to be upset about not being one of the best four Get thicker skin, okay? Like, every state that we talk about today is incredibly tough. Every racer is awesome. We're going to try to differentiate, and I'm going to give you my opinion. It's who I think would win head-to-head tomorrow. I'll be honest. Um, I've kind of tried to distance myself from a lot of the discussion on Facebook and a lot of these text, tweet trolls that I've been getting as much as I enjoy them, uh, just because I don't want to overanalyze it. In some of these matchups, I'll try to provide my reasoning for my picks. In others, it's just a gut, just a hunch, nothing scientific. (laughs) No doubt, Luke. Uh, You know, man, I've had texts, uh, Facebook messages, in-person conversations, you know, people lobbying for my pick to advance a particular state or race or, you know, guys, there's no prize for getting picked. You know, the the pride factor is looming large. We get it. And I understand that completely. But basically, you're dealing with two people's opinion about who could potentially win a race. We all know the competitive balance in our sport. And when discussing the elite racers within it, uh, you know, that's it's obvious that any of these states are capable of winning head to head. We're simply going to advance teams that we feel would come out on top, 
and that's again based on our opinions if we don't pick you it doesn't mean you lost there's nothing at stake unless i pick against alabama they just lose you pick against alabama that's gonna be a problem <laughs> well, <fair enough. laughs> not that but, we've got any stake in this <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna handle this just a little bit different than we did last week you know the competition's so tight uh, with these uh, these racers in these states so uh, we're going to break down each matchup uh, since the states are all so close we're going to break it down basically um, class by class driver by driver all right, so without further ado, our first matchup may be the most anticipated matchup of the week <laughs> uh, of our quarterfinals. It's, uh, I don't know if we should deem this as the quarterfinals or the, the regional finals. Like, that sounds a little bit better, doesn't oh, it? Oh, yeah, it does sound way right, better. Right, I like that. So the regional final in the southwest region, Texas, Louisiana, one of four border wars that we'll discuss today. Again, our Texas team <clears throat> was submitted by Daryl Hamlin. Dragster driver is Peeps Pennington. Door car driver is Riley Howard. Footbreaker or bottom bulber, Chad Sandlin. The 90 racer, Tommy Phillips. Stock Superstock ace, Austin Williams. And the Texas utility driver, Jeff Heffler. And Cody Harger's Louisiana team has uh, Johnny Ezel in the dragster. Travis Barnett in the door car. Bottom bulb is Travis Lipscomb. And the 90 category is Steve Collier. Stock super stock is Cooter Hidalgo, and their their utility racer is Slate Baby Gap Cummings. Baby Gap, two uh, obviously super stout teams. Um, without trying to break them down too much as a, on a whole, I say we go right into it. Um, dragster it. drivers, we got Peeps from Texas, Johnny Brackett racing from Louisiana. Who you got? You know, he's all he's on a roll lately. Um, guys, nasty, tough, but uh, Peeps, he, he travels and wins consistently, man. He's done it basically coast to coast, and not because his name's Pennington, but I'm going with Peeps. Okay, okay. I was a little bit torn thinking about this one <clears throat> because I think on a bigger stage, um, races like the, the Million and 50 Granders and even to some extent um, like the Spring Fling Vegas – I think Peeps has had a little bit better track record um, for as successful as Johnny has been. I feel like he's kind of gaining a reputation similar to what I feel like I've always had in bracket racing. Like that dude's winning five and ten granders left and right, but he can't seem to get it done in the big one. And I don't think that's necessarily fair or earned, but it is what it is to this point. So with that, I was kind of leaning towards Peeps myself. But then I thought, again, this is head-to-head one race matchup and over the course of the last calendar year i don't think anybody has seen more wind lights in their lane than johnny ezell and granted he's not racing peeps pennington every single round but with that comes a level of confidence and i'm telling you confidence is the x factor in our sport the more you've got of it the better off you're going to be and it's something that you can't trick yourself in if they race tomorrow I think Ezel, right or wrong, has a little bit more confidence, so I'm going to go with him. So you take Peeps, I take Johnny. That makes that one a push. No point for Texas or Louisiana on the dragster side. Okay. Riley Howard, Travis Barnett for the door cars. Um, On this one, I... uh, 
I, I got to admit, I'm a little bit ignorant here. I think I've watched Riley Highward race or been at the same track with him maybe a handful of times in my life. Um, and not many more for, for Travis, but when I've seen Travis, he's won um, for the most part. And it, and like I said last week, he gets cool points for going 460s in a Firebird. Um, again, this is probably biased just because of what I've actually seen in person, which is limited, but I give the edge here to uh, to Barnett. Yeah, you know, Riley, he's very talented, um, but what little bit I've got to see him race, he, he, you know, he does seem to be at the mercy of his ride. Um, Travis seems to have an extra tool in the box and, um, you know, very accomplished guy. I, I would lean that way as well. I give the nod to Barnett. Okay, we're going to score one for the Bayou team in Louisiana somewhere. Cody Harger is smiling right now. <laughs> the only new. <laughs> Our next matchup. Uh, the bottom, the bottom bulbers from Texas, my man Ajax, Chad Sandlin, against the Louisiana bottom bulber, Travis Lipscomb. Yeah, for for me, you know, this is uh, the the category that I probably love the most and love breaking down the most. So I, I've try not to be any longer winded here, but you know, Chad you know, Sandlin, he seemingly dominates his region. I mean, I see him winning a ton of races, and it's just um, you know, it's multiple wins in a weekend. It, it doesn't just happen to him every now and then. It seems to happen to him a lot. And then, you know, you got Travis Lipscomb. He don't get out as much these days. His son Dalton playing sports and doing things, and it keeps him from going to the racetrack quite as much. But he's all he's awesome when he does. He's very competitive when he gets to the track, and the guy's very capable. But um, I would say since we're talking about right now, today, or tomorrow, I have to lean towards Sandlin. Yeah, this one's tough for me to reconcile because I'm with you. Um, Chad wins, it seems like, every weekend. Um, I'm on Facebook, and I, I keep up with Chad. We're, we kind of grew up together a few years apart. Um, <clears throat> but the what he has done for the last, I don't know, probably two or three years now is just incredible. And... I realize it's a different time now, but I remember when I moved from Texas, which is almost 20 years ago now, I thought that I was a really good footbreaker. And at the time, like literally in where my area, if you could leave the starting line and your light start with a zero, you know, at the time it started with a five, 500 was perfect. <laughs> yeah. If you start with five, you were plenty competitive. And I moved from there to Alabama. And I realized just how much I sucked at foot breaking because you guys were so freaking good. Um, and eventually I feel like I caught up and got competitive, but it took me a while. Now, I don't think it's like that anymore. I don't think there's that kind of discrepancy, but I see no. the way that Chad dominates. And I just can't help but think that he couldn't do that in Alabama or North Carolina or somewhere like that. Like, he's great. Don't get me wrong. And he would hold his own and he would win his fair share but he wouldn't win two races every other weekend like he does. Um, and Travis Lipscomb's great, um, has won on the biggest stages in footbrake racing. And that's the thing, like with his footbrake car, Chad hasn't gotten out of that area a whole lot. So like, it's just hard to quantify. But I, as much as I break that down, like he, he wins too freaking much for it to be a fluke. So I, yeah. I'm with you. That was a long-winded argument for me to say, yeah, Chad Sandlin is who I'm going with as well. We give a point for Texas, um, and that evens things up, 1-1, Texas and Louisiana, and brings us into our 90 matchup, which is Texas's own Tommy Phillips against the uh, Cajun representative of Steve Collier. 
Um, I'll let you go first here, Big Jed. Well, Steve Collier is one of the most accomplished guys in the sport. Um, no denying what he's done, but this is very simple for me. There's no chance of me picking against Tommy Phillips. Um, not sure it matters who's in the other lane at this point, but for this matchup in particular, I got to go with TP. The only thing that would give me hesitation about picking Tommy Phillips is if we made him drive the 170 mile an hour Vega. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing against Steve's Vega, but, you know, I mean, that's something that I don't think everybody can do. Um, but, but, yeah, with that said, like I don't care who you line up in the other lane. No disrespect to Steve Tollier. If you if they pick your own dial in, I've never betting against Tommy Phillips. So I'm with you. Um, point, point to Texas. All right. Well, that takes us to stock, super stock. We got Austin Williams versus Cooter Hidalgo. That's a heck of a matchup right there. I would really love to be watching that right now. Who you got there, Luke? Yeah, I think those guys do that every other weekend on some level, (laughs) um, square off, because it just seems like they're always around late in stock eliminator action in Division 4 and occasionally in bottom ball bracket racing as well. Um, This is a tough one for me because, like, record-wise – and accomplishment-wise, I think you got to give a slight edge to Austin. Like, they both win a ton, right? Um, but, like, Austin's won a world championship. Cooter hasn't um, yet. Um, I don't know exactly how it breaks down. I'm pretty confident saying Austin's won more national events. Um, they may be about equal on the divisional scene. But, like, style points? Style points go a long way for me. Like, I... On a, on a whole, like, I tend to think Cooter's, like, more impressive. Like, that dude just, I saw him stumble a few times this year, but, like, for three years, it was like he never missed the freaking tree and sets up tighter than most. Like, that stuff gets my attention. Austin, like, the numbers don't always look as impressive, but the wind light always seems to come on. So I don't know how you reconcile that. Um, for me, if I'm breaking this down, I realize that, uh, t- to me, like, if you're going to pick the best racer versatility really comes into play and if this was the utility matchup like austin's without a doubt more versatile right like he drives a dragster and super comp he's won some right. won some bracket races on the top um whereas cooter's kind of strictly a door car bottom bulb guy but that's not the matchup here it's stock super stock and in stock super stock i think cooter's more versatile like he's driven more cars in those classes he drives both classes and he's just had unparalleled success so if we're strictly limiting this to a stock super stock competition i'm going to give a slight edge to hidalgo yeah you, you know you're talking about two of the best in the category and um i personally haven't had a chance to pair with austin at an event but i've had a couple of run-ins with cooter and um i'll tell you cooter's got it all uh, not to say austin doesn't um, but what I've seen out of my window, uh, Cooter's super talented. I love his style. I love his ability. Austin, highly accomplished in stock and then, you know, certainly in the dragster. But both of these categories, Cooter does this on a regular basis, so week in, week out in both categories. And I think it's just probably more his forte in, uh, with what he's accomplished uh, and his style. I think i got to pick Cooter in this matchup. That evens things up. Two to two going to our last uh, driver. This is probably the way all of these matchups are going to go this round, if I was guessing, but certainly this one, and it fe- seems fitting. So it comes down to the utility drivers, uh, and you, it'd be hard-pressed to find two better. Texas is Jeff Heffler. Louisiana's Slate Cummings. 
Where are we going here, Jed? You know, Jeff has won so much for so long. Um, there's no arguing against him and, and whether he's capable of winning in any of these categories. I mean, he's done it. The guy's crazy talented, but you, you look at Slate. Slate's got as much raw talent as anybody on the list. I mean, I really believe the guy can just get in anything and be competitive, whether it's any good, whether it isn't. Um, you know, you can hand him the strategy before he goes on the racetrack and he can make it happen. Uh, I think because he's so capable of driving anything on the list to a win, I think it solidifies his position as, as the, the better utility racer. So I'm going to pick Slate. I'm going off the grid here because what I saw <laughs> of the Facebook discussion, like even Ryan Gleghorn, like King Texas, he conceded that he would pick Slate in this matchup. And um, and I think most everybody that has watched racing for really the last, like, decade and has been at the same track with Slate, like, it's it's hard to bet against him. I get that. And I may be a prisoner of my upbringing. Like, I will admit my view is very biased. But I watched Jeff Heffler beat the heck out of everybody in whatever car, whatever class, whatever racetrack, quarter mile, eighth mile, pro tree, full tree, you name it. I watched him just be better than everybody else at the racetrack for at least a decade while I was growing up. And you and you say, well, that's a decade ago. Not that Jeff hasn't accomplished a lot recently, like he just won the world championship. Okay, that's, that's obviously a pretty big deal. But his show doesn't get on the road much anymore. Um, mm-hmm. But to me, like being elite in this game and you can take a few examples of it like people that have been really good and just took some time off like scotty richardson took basically a a year or two off and came back and it doesn't appear to be any worse for the wear tommy phillips did it just disappeared from the scene for a couple years came right back and started winning like when you're elite at this game i don't think you forget how like i think it's like riding a bicycle so if you put these two on a neutral track like i just have a hard time getting over what i watched growing up I'm going to take Jeff Heffler. So that now creates an interesting dilemma for us because we're tied and, uh, and we're at, we're at odds on the utility driver, which is normally our tiebreaker. So what I suggest that we do here, and I'm kind of doing this on the fly since the utility driver is our tiebreaker, let's take those two guys head to head in each form of competition that we've got. Okay, so if you put Jeff Heffler and Slate Cummings in a in a bracket dragster, who wins? Uh, I, I would. I'd have to pick Slate. Yeah, it's hard to go against you there. It's been a long time since Jeff drove a dragster, and Slate won a fifty like a year and a half ago. Won a dragster last year, and like the only two times a year that he gets in a dragster. So yeah, I will concede that one. So we'll give Slate a point for the dragster. Top bulb door car. Um. Man, you know what? I probably don't know Jeff's record as well as I know Slate's, and I'm trying not to let that sway me, but I want to pick Slate here, but honestly, I really believe this this is Jeff. Yeah, I watched Jeff Heffler win, like, his win light didn't not come on for like a month at Kennedale in the mid-90s, I would say, in an Anglia going 520s. Jeff Heffler. Sorry, Slate. Jeff Heffler. 
Okay, so <laughs> that'll even things back up. We'll give Heffler the door car nod. Um, bottom bulb. That's probably really the wheelhouse for both of them. Yeah, I think it is. Um, but uh, certainly on uh, accomplishments alone, I think that has to be Jeff. If the race was tomorrow, I think I'd actually take Slate. Not that I'm drawing against my pick. That's just one area. Like, I think that's where Slate's at his best. And maybe where both of them's at their best. Um, I think I'd lean with him. So we'll push that one. Um, <laughs> we may not get a win. We may not. <laughs> 90 racing. I got to go Slate. Uh, I think that's probably been a little while for Jeff. And I think that's probably a little, little closer to Slate's game right now. He just doesn't do enough of it. Um, no, I don't think either of them do. But No, no, that's true. That's a good point, and that's fair. Um, Jeff was really good in 990. I, I'd give a slight edge to Heffler there. <laughs> okay. Another so, push. So then it comes down to, uh, okay, so it all comes down to who we take stock, super stock. And this, I, I would say this is unfair to Jeff, but he is a former stock world champion. Like, that's what it comes down to, stock, super stock. One race, Jeff Heffler, Slate Cummings, tomorrow. Who you got? Um, man, again, I know Jeff's awesome and, and just like you said, former world champion. But one race tomorrow, um, especially considering it's something he does with regularity right now, I have to choose Slate. For the sake of the discussion, I don't. Uh, I, I it's six to one, half dozen the other. I'll side with you. We'll uh, we'll advance slate, and by the slimmest of margins, that's like less than a thousandth margin of victory. <laughs> I really did not think we would eliminate Texas when I looked at those two teams. I'll be honest, um, but that's the way it breaks down. We're going to push Louisiana into the final four. Wow, <laughs> that was uh, man. Never never saw that one coming. You know this this. There was no rehearsal here, folks. No, no. As you, if you can't tell, we are doing this off the cuff. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we thought it would definitely make it more interesting. It is. Wow. All right. So, so. We, now we'll move on to the to the East Region and another oh another brutal matchup: Pennsylvania versus New Jersey. Yeah, another border uh, war here. I know. Uh, I know Northrop and Cisco have been going back and forth a little bit on this because I've been getting the text messages. But let's. Uh, <laughs> I'm interested to see where this shakes down. Our New Jersey team, as submitted by Brian Mullaney, uh, we got Chicken Brian Balducci, dragster driver, Steve Cisco, Mister Versatile, door car top bulb, big bucks, Bob Mullaney as your uh, foot brake driver, ninety driver Tom Stalba, stock, stock super stock entrant Anthony Fetch. And the utility driver from New Jersey, Denny McCloskey. Yeah, and uh, Pennsylvania team submitted by Mark Denebaum. Uh, in the dragster, he's got Big Benny Domino. In the door car, he's got Dan Northrup. Foot brake is Brock Mosier. In the 90 category is Iggy Boisesco. Super stock stock is Brian Warner. And his utility driver from Shamokin, Pennsylvania, is Jeff Krasinski. Yeah, what a what a stacked couple of teams. Uh, same oh. deal. Let's let's start it off with the dragsters. Chicken against Amino. Uh, two great racers. Um, very impressive revenue, resumes for both. And uh, you know, chicken's bad news. But Big Ben's got a fitty, and 
I don't know, just seemed like maybe a little better lap on average. So uh, I'm choosing in a very tough close one. I'm choosing Big Benny. Yeah, I think I'm going to side with you here. I've, I've raced with Chicken more than I have with Vinny. Uh, and, and Chicken's all, I mean, they're obviously everybody on the list is incredible. Um, I just tend to think, again, kind of like we talked about last week, that the nature of the racing, maybe not so much at Numidia, but the traveling that Vinny does, I think he's forced to be just a little bit more versatile, maybe just a little bit more comfortable at different aspects of the game. If this race is at Atco, I'll take chicken. Um, neutral field, I'm going to lean just a little bit towards Domino. So let's give uh, let's give Pennsylvania the point there. And Big Van's mentor is uh, arguably maybe the best it's, it's ever been, Peter Biondo. So that, that don't hurt either, have that guy in your corner. Chicken's got Big Dom. Yeah, no, it's, it's hard to bet against Pete. <laughs> All right, so the door cars, uh, Cisco and Northrop, and I, I don't know if Cisco's tuned into this. Northrop's listening, so <laughs> no pressure, Jed. Um, I, I've, I, I'm not going to succumb to this pressure, Mr. Northrop. I, I love you like a brother, um, but uh, I've been, I've been getting pictures of, of checks on the wall of a shop in Pennsylvania all week. Like, you know, with quotes or something, <laughs> something to the effect of, uh, Cisco got anything for this? You just, you got, if you don't know Dan Northrup, you just, you got to love him. He's one of a kind. Um, but with that said, as I had mentioned before, like, versatility is a big thing to me. And if you just went overall, it's not like Dan Northrup's not a versatile driver. Like, he's won in Super Comp, he's won in Super Gas, he's won bracket races and drag streets, won bracket races and door cars. But for the purpose of this discussion, it's a top ball brace and a door car, head to head. And I've just seen Cisco win in so many door cars, like half of them seemingly that he'd never sat in prior to yeah. first round that day. Um, like that's it's, it's an incredible feat, and I think he's one of the guys that doesn't get as much credit as he deserves nationally. Um, I would particularly door car versus door car. I give the slight edge here to Cisco. Yeah, you know. Dan, he always competes at a high level. Um, guy, not not just in door cars, but in the dragster as well. But this is a door car race, and Cisco, dude, he just wins. I mean, it's like every time I see a Facebook post, you know, Murph posting Cisco just won, you know, like a 17th race in a row in my Camaro. He drove it to the track and won a five grander on the top, and it's just stuff you don't see people do anymore. And and Cisco just freaking wins and i just can't bet against him so i'm picking cisco all right that evens things up domino gets one for pennsylvania cisco gets one for new jersey our bottom bobbers brock Mosier against big bucks bob mulaney where are you going here oh this one's so so hard <laughs> um it's impossible to pick this winner um you know brock dude's nasty good uh then you got bob bob's amazing has been for decades and I think just head-to-head, Brock has probably got a couple more tools in the box, but he probably also loses more due to his aggressive style. So it might seem like um, it's a little more even. Bob don't make a lot of mistakes, but if you just base it on sheer talent, one run tomorrow, neutral field, um, I would have to go with Bob. 
Yeah, it's funny you say that because I am a big fan of aggressiveness. Uh, <laughs> so I hate to hold that against anybody. But again, for me, like it just comes back to versatility. And if you put Brock Mosier in a R-stock automatic station wagon, like he'd probably figure out a way to win. But I know Mulaney can win because I watched him do it, you know, when I was a kid reading about that old R stalker. Um, just that alone, like that stuff really stands out to me. The the ability to get in seemingly anything at the racetrack um, and be competitive. And he's and I've seen it in recent years. Um, Bob, I think for the most part, has been uh, in that Nova, but I, I've seen him winning a lot of different stuff. And I just think it's really impressive when you're able to do that. So slight edge again, I'm with you. Um, we're going to give that point to New Jersey on the strength of Big Bucks, Bob. All right. So that moves us on to the 90 category where we got Iggy and Staba. Uh, you took a couple of guys you're going to be very familiar with, Luke. So I'll let you talk a little bit. Yeah, this one's close. I think historically Iggy's probably got a little bit more accomplishments, but he's um, always, at least to my knowledge, just been a super gas guy. Stalba's had some success in both of them. Um, Iggy's tough to race in super gas too, because not only is he really talented, he's got a completely different look. Like he goes like 212 to 60 foot. So it makes his 170 mile an hour car appear like it's going 175. Um, mm. But that's nothing that's going to fool Stalba if they ran side by side. Um, like I said, this is more gut than anything, but I'll give a slight edge to Stalba. Yeah, both obviously nationally recognized talent, and you know Iggy's obviously awesome in the category. But I do believe Tom probably makes the most of fewer opportunities. I don't think he probably gets quite as many looks at the racetrack as Iggy does, and he still has the results to to show for it. So I'm gonna go with Staba. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, so we got New Jersey up three to one. Uh, ben, the Quaker State, or is, is Pennsylvania the Quaker State, or is that Ohio? It is. Yeah, no, Pennsylvania's Pennsylvania. The Quaker State is in jeopardy of getting housed here. Um, we need somebody <laughs> to come through for them. We got uh, see if Brian Warner can do it. Brian Warner, PA representative, against uh, Anthony Fetch, and this is in the stock super stock category. Yeah, obviously uh, Warner's one of the the first names come to mind in this category. If you're talking Division One, then. Highly accomplished guy. Then you got Fetch, uh, super talented, drives through difficult equipment challenges, uh, multiple seats that he may or may not be unfamiliar with. Um, just I've watched Fetch really close, got a lot of up close good looks at him, and actually traveled with him a little in, at times. And um, guy's just crazy good. I, I got to go with Fetch. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, Warner, obviously, is former world champion, but again, for me, it comes down to versatility. And, and on the whole, like, I mean, Fetch was in the final round of Super Comp at Indy, um, and I've seen him win a bunch of bracket races, but that doesn't count. We're just talking about stock and super stock. But just in those two classes, I've seen Anthony Fetch hold up a Wally in like three or four different cars. Um, yeah. So, I, and same way, I'm a big fan of versatility. I'll give Fetch the slight nod there. And that locks up that contest for new jersey so we're going to advance jersey to the uh the final four the final matchup there is the utility drivers uh krasinski versus denny mccloskey you got anything you want to add on those two guys or are we just doing good by not taking anybody off there and moving on to the next pair <laughs> ah why ruin it now let's go ahead <laughs> denny mack uh you know very versatile uh, especially on the bottom and the guy can win deep and win shallow he wins slow cars wins fast cars um but jeff 
especially from a utility standpoint. I mean, the guy makes great laps and wins in multiple classes. So, you know, um, if if it wasn't for needing to get in everything on the list, Denny Mac, I think, might get the nod. But having to get in everything on the list makes me lean Krasinski. Yeah, I tend to agree. If this was just a bottom ball um, matchup, I'd probably lean to Denny or it'd be really, really close. When you factor everything in, like I'm not even sure Denny's ever driven a dragster. And if he has, he hasn't won like Krasinski hasn't won. So, um, yeah. yeah, same deal. I, 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 that would even things up a little bit. That'd make the final score there, New Jersey 4, PA 2. But Denny, if it's any consolation, your team's going to the final four. Yeah, that's that's got to feel good. He, <laughs> and he's going to get another shot at somebody. That's right. That's right. All right, so we've got Jersey and Louisiana moving on to uh, to our final four, our semifinal round. Let's see who's going to join them there. We've got uh, our central region final, and this is another one, uh, another border war like all of them, Kentucky and Ohio. Um this one will be some fun. And this is one I, I'm a little bit surprised. This has seemed to have really friendly banter on Facebook. Like the couple that I read was a couple people from Kentucky going, ah, that Ohio team's better. And a couple from Ohio going, man, that Kentucky team's strong. Like, Come on, guys, <laughs> stand up for your state, right? Yeah, no kidding. Our Kentucky team, Dragster Driver, uh, submitted. this team was submitted by Tommy Flowers. Um, dragster Driver, Josh Baker, Dorcar, Adam Klein, Bottom Bobber, Clayton Clark. Stock Superstock, Ricky Decker, which we've got some contention there. We'll talk about uh, 90 representative, Rusty Cook, and utility driver, Scotty Richardson. Yeah, it's a tough team. Um, move on to Ohio, and um, I believe this team was submitted by Randy Biddle Jr. Um, you got uh, Randy Schur and the Dragster. You got uh, Skinny Kenny Underwood and the Door Car. The bottom bulb is Nasty Nick Hastings. The 90 driver is Jacob Elrod. Stock super stock is Michael Beard. And the utility racer is Randy Biddle Jr. himself. All right, so we'll start off with our, our dragster matchup. Josh Baker against Randy Shewer. And two guys that I think are, are kind of similar um, in a lot of respects in that they don't travel a ton, but they are, are absolute forces when they do. And they both really dominate their area. Um, I, I think we mentioned last week, I think Randy Shewer's won at least three track championships at Norwalk, which is arguably the toughest weekly program that there is. Um, and Josh just dominates that whole Kentucky area. Um, I think as much as I think Norwalk's a great proving ground, I don't know that it necessarily brings about a ton of versatility because I don't race there a whole lot, but I think the track's always in excellent condition. Um, I don't know that they necessarily fight a lot of the obstacles that Josh in particular is up against at some of those uh, little backwoods tracks in Kentucky. Um, so just from a versatility standpoint, like Randy's got a great car. And I think it's he could probably figure out a way to make it really good at any track. But if you've got to make it a finish line contest, I give a slight edge to Josh. So give me a, give me Josh Baker there and a slight edge for Kentucky. Yeah, that was a solid breakdown. I, I really can't add much to that. You know, no offense to Randy, but um, Baker for me wins this. The guy's great and just wins too much. So I'm going with Baker. All right, the door car matchup, uh, Adam Klein for Kentucky, Bowling Green regular, very good racer against uh, all-world, really, Kenny Underwood. Um, 
Kentucky guys, I took Adam last week over my home state guy, and a guy that I have a lot of respect for, and Andrew DiPiazza, so that should tell you what I think of him. But <laughs> Kentucky's outmatched here. Uh, give me Kenny Underwood. Yeah, you know, Klein doesn't get as many opportunities as Kenny on the big stage, but I also don't think that's the determining factor here. I, I'm going with Kenny Kenny. All right, bottom ballers, Clayton Clark, Nick Hastings. Clark for Kentucky, Nick for Ohio. Yeah, um, again, a couple of my good buddies and super talented guys. You know, Clayton's as good at the no-box class as anybody in the country. Um, makes crazy good runs. Nasty Nick. I mean, he's just so dang good. It, he is so versatile and can operate under any conditions. Um, many, many tools in the box. Uh, again, I look at it as a guy that could transition um, take his foot brake car into no box and be competitive. Uh, no offense to Clayton. Uh, obviously, some, some challenges on the foot brake side there. I think that, Hastings could take his foot brake car into Super Pro and be competitive. <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt. But so, you know, again, it's a versatility issue, and uh, I got to give the nod to Nasty Nick. Yeah, for me, it's hard to, to quantify the versatility here because I agree, like, Nick's unbelievably versatile, but Clayton doesn't have that option. Like, for those of you right. that don't know, Clayton Clark don't have use of his legs. So he's using hand controls and, and dominating like this. So it's not like he can hop into any car at the racetrack and be competitive. Um, so it's I don't know that it's fair necessarily to judge it on versatility, but again, it just comes down to one run, side by side, who you got, and I'm going to side with you, Jed. I, I, I just give a slight edge to Nick. I'm really impressed with that kid. Yeah, very talented. That puts right, Ohio so that up two to one, and, uh, and it brings up our 90 racers. Yeah. Rusty That's Cook the... for Ohio. Jacob, I'm sorry, Rusty Cook for Kentucky. Uh, Jacob Elrod for Ohio. Both these guys finished in the top 10 in Supergas, NHRA Supergas in 2016. Um, this one for me is such a toss-up, and I've kind of vacillated back and forth on it all week. If you go on career accomplishments, I think you got to give the edge to Rusty Cook. He's been so good for so long. If you just go in the last couple of years, although they were both in the top ten this past season in NHRA, Jacob won the IHRA World Championship. The year before, he won the NHRA World Championship. Um, but, man, if you put them side by side, like, I think they split 10 races. I, I really do. Um, <laughs> gun to my head, force me to pick. Give me Elrod, but it's one of the toughest decisions of the day for me. Yeah, definitely a very tough matchup. I think you're spot on, Luke. Uh, Rusty, heck of a career, and, and he still got it. I mean, his uh, his best racing days are not necessarily behind him. He's, he's still got what it takes to win on a regular basis, Jacob just seems to have it all together. I mean, he, he makes you beat him. He just doesn't seem to to throw any, any bad runs out there. And, again, I, I'm probably not the best to pick between these two, but for me, it's Jacob. All right, so that's going to put Ohio up 3-1. to one. Kentucky is uh, in jeopardy of getting run off the racetrack here and not getting to their ace in the hole and the utility driver down there. Um, all right, stock, super stock. Ricky Decker for Kentucky, kind of, against <laughs> Michael Beard for Ohio. <laughs> well, you know, 
to me, Decker can't advance in a state he doesn't live in. That's, uh, we did get confirmation he... of that last week, by the way. Decker was on the Indiana and Kentucky team. Uh, Brian Whitworth, I guess for as much proof as, as we need or, or take on, on Ricky Decker's Facebook page, he lists his hometown as somewhere in Indiana. So, <laughs> uh, so you know, we can't give him credit to win in a state he doesn't live in. We didn't write very many rules, but I assure you that was one <laughs> Uh, so Beard wins, not because of the technicality. Um, if, even if they live in the state that they're they're racing for, I still pick Beard. Uh, he seems to do the most with the least. I mean, he won one super stock uh, foot breaking. Um, you know, the guys won at, at the race that I co-promote, World Foot Break Challenge. Um, won and runnered up, same race. Um, he's just super talented. Um, some guy, guy that probably doesn't get quite as much attention and respect as he deserves he makes good runs and i'm gonna go with beard yeah i'm with you there um forgetting the you know ruling out the the technicality so to speak i think i would still side with michael there and i'm with you like i think most people really respect his ability on the starting line but i think a lot of them get the wrong impression and thinking that he's just a dialer like he just holds it on the floor um, the second you think that against Michael Beard is the second he can get you in a lot of trouble. He's deceptively <laughs> tricky at the finish line. I would, uh, I would, I would give him a slight edge here, regardless. Yeah. All right. So that uh, that seals it up for Ohio, four to one. Um, the the utility matchup here, had we gotten to it, is um, nothing against Randy Biddle, but I, I don't. I don't think it's much of a contest. Scotty Richardson, Randy Biddle. If this was on the bottom, I'd give Randy a pretty good shot. Uh, as the true utility driver, um, I, I just I, I don't think you put anybody up against Scotty, and I'd pick against him. Yeah, Randy Biddle. Um, to me, you know, he doesn't get the credit he deserves either. The guy's sneaky great. He's not sneaky good. He's sneaky great. He he makes good runs. Um, he can wheel anything. He would get in any of those cars, but Scotty, Scotty, and um, one race, head-to-head, neutral field, couldn't pick against him. I'd, I'd have to go with Scotty on that one. Yeah, that evens things up a little bit, but again, that's Ohio moving on. So three-quarter of the way through our, our quarterfinal round here, we've got Louisiana knocking off Texas in quadruple overtime. We've got uh, New Jersey taking out Pennsylvania, and we just selected Ohio over Kentucky. Jed, that leaves us one spot oh. left in the semifinal round. And why do I have the feeling that this might be our most spirited debate to this point? <laughs> Man, I wish the power would go out right now or something so I could get out of this one. But this one's going to be tough. Tennessee, talented team versus my Alabama Slammers. Um, Alabama team that I submitted in the dragsters, Timmy Smith. In the door cars, Bones. Bottom bulb is Adam Davis. Super class is Brad Pluard. Stock super stock, reigning world champion Jeff Strickland in stock, and utility driver is Hugh Meeks. Yeah, that Tennessee team submitted by Tyler Lynch, and, and on my notes here, I just copy and pasted from Facebook, so I've got Tyler's description of everybody, which was entertaining in <laughs> itself. Um, but uh, but Tennessee's team dragster driver John Labouche Jr., door car Jason Lynch, bottom bulber Rick Bear. 90 racer, Ray Ray, Ray Miller, the third. Stock Superstock, Big E, Edmund, Richardson. And the utility driver, Van Greer. Um, man, when I look, I, I'm not trying to get you too riled up here, Jed, but when I look at that Tennessee team, just like the names, I think 
nobody beats those guys. Like, that's an incredible team, top to bottom. It is. But our job here is to break them down piece by piece, and you might be a little bit surprised. When I did that, it's uh, it's closer than it looks. Like, I I actually think I lean toward Alabama here. But, but let's go... Let's go person by person, driver by driver. Top ball, dragster. Your man, Timmy Smith, recently crowned world champion against Little John, John LaBoose Jr. Yeah, I mean, what what hasn't Caboose won? Um, we, we all know his record, and uh, guys has won some very, had some very good days at the racetrack. He's awesome, but, you know, he has had a drop off in recent years for whatever reason. You look at Timmy, Timmy's on the rise and usually makes kind of runs he's trying to make and certainly has just won the, the national championship in Super Pro, although I'm not sure that gives him a nod here. But still, when I just look at what you say, one run, gun to my head, neutral field, um, man, I, I got to go Timmy. And I, I know he's from Alabama and here we go, but I got to pick Timmy. Yeah, that's spoken like a true Alabamian, Jed. I, uh, <laughs> it really is. I know I, it is. I, I love Timmy. He's awesome. Um, I, I think I might have set a record for last week's podcast using the word awesome. I need to get a better adjective. Um, but uh, And I agree with you. Like Labouche hasn't been as dominant over the last two or three years as he was um, you know, back two, three, four years ago. My explanation of why, like, I can sum this up. It's something that Edmund Richardson told me probably 10 years ago, uh, maybe not quite that long, is when I started racing a little bit of super comp in addition to bracket racing, and he looked me dead in the eye, and he said, this is going to sound stupid. It's really hard to be really good at both. And as odd as that sounds, like, I can attest to that. I feel like I've had some success in both forms, but rarely ever at the same time. Um... Kevin Brannon, like one of the best bracket racers in the world, last year he won the world championship in uh, Super Comp, was a little bit quieter on the bracket scene. I know he still hit here and there. This year didn't have as good a year in Super Comp, concentrated on other things. I think had a little bit better year on the bracket racing scene. And the reason for that, at least in my mind, is like it's all racing, but there is a different skill set involved to that stuff and it's just really difficult mentally to go back and forth from just making really solid runs in eighth mile bracket race to kind of out driving your opponent at the finish line more often than not in 90 racing um so i think that's why i I think little john's lack and and granted when i say lack of success he set the bar incredibly high a few years ago um, yes, it did. But in comparison, his lack of success, I think, could be attributed to that. I don't think he's any worse driver than he was three or four years ago. I think he's just using those skills in a little bit different form, a little bit different area. Um, granted, this is a, a top ball bracket race, but I, I go back to my riding the bike argument. Um, head-to-head, one race, I'll lean with Labouche there, so we'll split that one. Uh, no point awarded for either team. Okay. Uh, I'd have a hard time arguing against that reasoning. All right. So now, now we move on to door car, and we got Bones versus Lynch. This one's incredibly difficult for me because not only are they both awesome, these are two of my best friends in the world. Um, these guys were both <laughs> in my wedding, if that tells you anything. Oh. Um, but distancing myself from that, when I just looked at this, like I think most people would. Like, just on the cursory, I give the edge to Bones, right? Because I think day in, day out, 
he I don't want to say he's the better driver I think he brings it more consistently like Lynch is all over the place like he's subject to be a world beater one day and look like he's never driven a race car the next I mean that's extreme but like he he has bigger (laughs) swings than any great racer I've ever seen so you you're gonna hate me Jed all week I'm like well I'll just take bones there you know what I mean like and then today I'm sitting in my office today and for whatever reason this matchup comes to mind and I thought of something that I've told Jason Lynch 50 times in my life and I tell him if you would approach every round like you think the guy in the other lane's better than you you'd never lose because I've joked with him forever the difference between my racing and his racing is for the <laughs> most part I beat all the guys I'm supposed to beat and I split with all the really good racers he on the <laughs> other hand tends to beat the pants off of all the really good racers and lose to all the guys that you think he's supposed to beat well Bones is a really good racer. So when I put them side by side, like, I'm going to take Lynch. And I know you're not going to agree with that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, obviously you can't argue against Jason Lynch. uh, But, you know, to me, when I look at these guys, both of them have an odd approach. Neither of them seem to, to care about results. But I know them well enough to know they're both driven to win. Um again you, you can't you, you really wouldn't take anybody against catfish but my problem is i'm probably just too close to bones pick against him i see his runs uh, we're we're very close and i'm well aware of how good he is and you know i get to unfortunately for anybody else i get to give my opinion here and my opinion is bones i just i would take him against anybody because i know how good he is and i know catfish is equally as good but I got to go with Bones. I'm turning the tables on you here from last week. I've got you defending your team. I like this. All right. <laughs> so we're, we're split, and I've been on the Tennessee side, both of these matchups. You've been on the Alabama side. Um, bottom ball, Tennessee's Rick Bear against Alabama's Adam Davis. Uh, a matchup that I, I love. I would, uh, again, enjoy watching this play out in real life, but uh, it's two of the best bottom ball racers I've ever watched. Um, both the guys continue to impress me you know slick has won both foot breaking and no boxing uh, ad can win in any class swapping feet um, no no extra pieces for him he just goes up there swapping feet with his blinder and um, you know i i have to put each of them in the other's world and see if they could be equally as competitive and while rick is still a very good foot breaker I think if you put them in each other's world, I gotta say Adam's slightly more versatile. And again, man, I I feel terrible, but I gotta go with the Bama boy and pick AD. <laughs> um, Surprise. Yeah, yeah. No, I I come to the same conclusion here, maybe for a little bit different reason. When I look at Rick Bear, I think of maybe the best, certainly in the in the short list of the best bottom ball bracers I've ever seen on the starting line. When I look at Adam Davis, I put him on the short list as one of the best racers I've ever seen at the finish line. Um, So then I kind of look at what the area that is not necessarily either one of them strength. Would I, am I more comfortable with Adam on the starting line or Rick on the finish line? And I just don't think Adam's game, not that Rick is weak at the finish line. Adam's game doesn't have a weakness. Like he's really good at both ends. Um... Like I say, it's tough because they're both incredible, but I'm with you. I'll, I'll give uh, I'll give Adam the nod here, and that'll give our first true point to your Alabama team. 
Okay. Whew, that feels a lot better. We're up, <laughs> we're up one. <laughs> Some tough matchups coming up. Now we got uh, Ray Ray, Ray Miller versus Brad Pluard in the in the 90 category. Um, this is uh, a couple of guys you're very familiar with and, and class you're very familiar with. So let's get your thoughts here, Luke. Yeah, this is one where if they were the utility picks, it would be a difficult matchup. But I think I'd almost certainly have to go with Brad because of his he's won in everything like bottom ball top ball bracket race full tree pro tree whatever but in the terms of this discussion we're just talking about super comp and super gas and as good as brad is at anything that he does that is really in ray ray's wheelhouse like his skill set is so perfectly matched for super comp and super gas competition um outside of like tommy phillips that we talked about earlier um, I don't think I'd take anybody side by side with Ray Ray. I'll, I'll give Ray Ray the nod here for Tennessee. Yeah, you know Brad, obviously a great racer in his own right, and he's uh, he's they're they're very different approaches. Brad's a bit looser than Ray Ray. You know he'll gamble a little more. He'll see Brad change carburetors between rounds and uh, seems to have some challenges. He overcomes them well, but then you got Ray Ray so calm and always seems prepared and level headed at all times and. I mean, the guy, I stood with him when he won the million. He hardly smiled. I mean, he just, like, he expects to win. He's prepared, ready to do it. And uh, I think in this particular matchup, he's probably the guy that's going to come out on top. So uh, it hurts to go against my Bama team, but I'm going to give it to Ray Ray. All right, we're going to even things back up with Tennessee, and that actually shows that Jed will pick against Alabama and one of his buddies. So, all right. That... Oh, I mean, a very good friend. <laughs> all right, Strick versus Big E in stock super stock competition. Where are you going here? I love the king. Uh, he's, a, he's a guy that's helped mold racing into what it is today. Um, and, again, you, you take the king in any – race against anybody but Strick's on the rise I mean the guy's been doing it a long time he's only seemingly getting better uh, phenomenal season this year obviously just won the world championship in stock uh, which was one of two for the season I think because it's stock super stock that tips the scale for me to go Strick's way again surprise he's from Alabama <laughs> don't, I don't know if I can say this on the air. Like, I could edit this out probably if you're not comfortable with it. But I did see, like, it actually looked like one of the Richardson boys was kind of trolling Big E to you. Is that is that accurate? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is accurate. Very accurate. <laughs> well, I don't. Yeah, I didn't he, even see the, the, com the complete text. Younger I, talent. <laughs> I don't know if that was uh, that was Ryan Blake or Austin, but I'll. Uh, I don't want to say I agree with them. I'm not certainly not uh, disrespecting the king, but for me, this one comes like. I, I talked in, in one of our previous episodes about Strick and how I feel like he's like a natural. And to me, Edmund is the picture of kind of grinding it out over the years and working hard to get to where you're at. Now, that's not to say that Edmund doesn't have a ton of natural talent or certainly not to say that Jeff hasn't worked hard to get to where he is. Um, but that's kind of the way that I view those guys. And if this was a utility matchup again, I feel like this is a toss-up, but we're just talking about stock super stock com competition, which Edmund hasn't even done in a couple years, not regularly. Um, and Strick's coming off a world championship. So, yeah, I'm with you. I'll lean toward, uh, toward Strickland. 
give Alabama the edge, and that's going to put them up 2-1 to one going into the utility matchup, which is two guys that maybe nationally are not necessarily household names, but if you have spent any time racing in the Southeast, you know who these two guys are and, uh, and have a ton of respect for them, as you and I do. Your Alabama representative, Hugh Meeks, up against Tennessee's Van Greer. And my question here is, are they going to race in like what most of us would consider to be race cars? Because (laughs) if that's the case, I think I lean toward Hugh. But if you're going to stage him up in something that most of us think has no business going down the racetrack, um, (laughs) I'd go with Van Greer. Like I literally watched him block the top bulb in a Suburban and floor it on the second and be like better than 20 every time that he left. It was the coolest thing I've ever seen, and he had a system because you couldn't just react to the second bulb, so he actually had like masking tape marks on the floorboard of the Suburban to where he would hold his foot far enough away from the gas pedal that when the second light would come on, he would react and have that distance before he actually floored it, and he was good every yeah. time. I don't, as good as Hugh is, I'm not sure he'd think of that. Um, but <laughs> with that not. being said, the bulk of what I would consider the utility matchup, like if they were going to race against each other in dragsters, race against each other in top bulb door cars, on down the line, um, I don't know in necessarily every category, but overall, I would give Hugh the edge. Yeah, you talk about Van and, and what he's accomplished and what he's accomplished to the end. I mean, he, he epitomizes utility. Um, he, he's <laughs> driven just about any type of vehicle known to man, and he's won in it. And to me, though, he was amazing. I mean, he can drive anything with little to no instruction. I mean, when you look at what utility drivers are supposed to be able to do, he could compete in any of these categories and be uh, a guy that comes out on top. Um, I'm going to be accused of being a homer here, and I can't really say it's not true. Uh, I get it, but I truly believe Hugh and Bama has the edge. Yeah, and full disclosure, I, I lived in Alabama for about six years before I moved to Illinois, so this really might be tipping the scales. Um, but, yeah, obviously that uh, that gives Alabama the edge. Three to one after a couple of pushes there. We're going to advance them to the final four, which means that our final four, Louisiana, New Jersey, Ohio, and Alabama. Ooh. Yeah, pretty nasty. At Luke Bogacki Motorsports, we sell quality components that we depend on in our own race team. We're not a one-stop mail-order parts house. I can't get you products from every manufacturer. Rather, what we sell are products that we personally use, that we trust, that we recommend. Products like APD. Now, I've personally been using APD carburetors and fuel systems for well over a decade, from gas to alcohol, 4150s to 4500 series dominators, from conventional carburetors to the APD max speed design with the throttle stop built right into the carburetor. We've run, and to, in large part, one with just about every product that they offer. Now, all new APD carburetors, they feature a billet main body and APD's new billet sportsman bowls. No 40-year-old cast parts here. These billet parts come anodized black for an incredible stealth look. look. Um, You'll like the way that these carburetors look. 
you'll love the way that these carburetors perform. For the perfect APD carburetor for your application, message me at Luke Bogacki Motorsports on Facebook or give me a call at 256-679-8328. All right, Jed, with that, we're going to tie up uh, episode five here into a little bow. I know uh, at times we had kind of uh, told everybody all week that we were going to run this all the way down and have a champion here before Christmas. Uh, and to, in large part, that was our intention coming into this show. Uh, but I don't think either one of us realized just how much we had to say on these uh, <laughs> on these eight quarter finalist teams. And uh, I, I don't... A, I don't feel comfortable keeping everybody here for two hours to get to the winter. I think it's going to get a little bit dry as we go. Um, and I'll, uh, we'll just build up the anticipation one more week for some of you. For others, we'll prolong the agony. Um, we're going to hold off until next week to discuss our final four and crown an overall all-state champion. I didn't really have any intentions of this segment using three episodes, but uh, I think it fits, I, and, I, and it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it has been a blast. And that wraps up our episode five, our wrap-up of the All-State discussion. Um, certainly, congratulations to the teams that advanced. And I want to thank our great sponsors, Racing RVs, and this is Bracket Racing. I want to thank to you folks for listening. Um, certainly, if this is the first time you've listened to us, uh, we want to welcome you. hope you've enjoyed the show, and we certainly want to go back and have you go back and listen to the previous episodes. And if you like what you heard, this is our fifth episode, so make sure you get those first four wherever you download this podcast. Yeah, like we've said before and try to say every episode, we do plan to release a new podcast every week of the calendar year. We've kind of gotten the habit of dropping that sometime Wednesday morning. Um, so look forward to that each and every week. Stay tuned for plenty more as we go forward. Um, to get that latest episode before your friends, be sure to subscri subscribe to the This Is Oh, this is BraggerRacing.com. That's where my head's at. Um, be sure to subscribe to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast uh, wherever it is that you find your favorite podcast. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on Google Play. Uh, you name it. We're on there. Yeah, folks, do us a favor. Uh, rate and review the podcast. That's how we move up in the rankings so more people can find us. Yeah, and finally, uh, be sure to, to join the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast fan page on Facebook. Interact, become part of the conversation this week. What did you think of our quarterfinal matchups? Did you agree that, uh, that Louisiana should knock off Texas, that New Jersey should beat PA? Were you a Kentucky fan and, uh, and didn't want to see them lose to Ohio? And uh, are you? let's make sure that we troll Jed for Alabama winning <laughs> over that stacked Tennessee team, even though I've pretty much agreed with them on down the line. Be part of the conversation on our Facebook page. Again, that's the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast fan page on Facebook. Yeah, somehow I don't think we'll have any shortage of that this week, Luke. <laughs> Everyone is sure to have an opinion. We want to hear it. Get on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page and check it out today. Absolutely. The next time we touch base will be uh, after Christmas, before New Year's. So everybody uh, have a very Merry Christmas and enjoy some, uh, some great time with the people that you love and care about. Absolutely. Merry Christmas, everybody. Have a great one. Banging on the door, bump, bump, bump until I get it in. Attitude like I am already winning in. Foot breaking in anything. Bottom bobbing for a 10. I'm rolling in the cutty, switching feet like Jerry Pennington. I was in my truck just to try my luck. Spending money that I don't have. Still can't get enough. 
Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries. There's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.